may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean for the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters and then you would have to go out to the world. Good morning. Good, good to see everyone this morning, beloved. We are all honored and privileged and blessed to be here this morning. Amen. I hope you, I hope you know that's true, brother. Not, not, I'm not going to say that. That is absolutely the only thing better we could be doing at this very moment is bringing somebody to Christ or going to heaven. Amen. Uh, we're here for a reason. We are the ecclesia, as we mentioned this morning, the assembly. And so we need to assemble to worship God as he tells us to do. And we're very grateful for that. The grace of God saves, beloved. This is part two of a, about a four-part lesson we're going to be doing on the grace of God. Of course, we started, began last week with part one, and we discussed that. Um, and um, so when discussing the grace of God, it's, it's kind of like, where do you start? Where do you go? And, 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 and when do you finish, right? Um, the grace of God is seen from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. And, and so, Brennan, there's so much about it. But grace, if, it's, if we understand it correctly and we appropriate God's grace in our life, it covers every area of the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 15.10 is um, the, uh, the verse that should have been up there. I, my writing, Brennan, I take full responsibility for that. My writing is not always the greatest, and Mr. Robbie does a tremendous job in trying to interpret it. And, and I probably give him the wrong verse. Matt read it. It's from the Bible, and it's good. But, but the text that I meant to put up there was 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you say that? Y'all remember Popeye? And Popeye would say, I am what I am, right? Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Beloved, if we understand God's grace correctly, as this verse says, it's going to permeate every aspect of our life. Paul was what he was by grace, he says. He did what he did by God's grace. He preached by grace. He lived by grace. And he died by grace because he was saved by grace. And today I want us to discuss the saving grace of God and what it means because, as I said last week, there's been much misunderstanding about God's grace and what it means to be saved by his grace. In Ephesians 1, if you want to be turned over to chapter 2, because we're going to get there in just a minute of Ephesians. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul tells uh, through the Holy Spirit and inspiration, of course, he tells of the eternal purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God, brethren. He talks about how God planned to save us by his grace before there was ever a world created. And he talks about the eternal purpose of God and how we, as his children, fit into that. 
And he mentions in Ephesians 1 how because of God's plan before the world was ever created, here we are, and the Bible says in Ephesians 1 that as God's children, because of his grace, we are exalted and redeemed by the blood of Christ. Did you know you are an exalted people? And then chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he discusses the way that we used to be. And hopefully, brethren, as Christians, we can honestly say this is the way we used to live. Okay, past tense. And when you are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the, de- the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." Brothers and sisters, this is how we used to be, according to the Apostle Paul, before we become Christian. We were enslaved to sin. Romans 6 tells us the same thing. We were by our very nature, which means by virtue of long practice. You ever see somebody do something so, so often that we just say, that's his second nature. And that's what that means. By our long practice of sin, mankind's practice of sin, we become real good at sinning. How many of us were really good sinners in the day? Boy, when I was a sinner, I could sin. I mean, I mean, give it 100%, right? And so that's what he's talking about here, brothers and sisters. You look at people that are still in the world and listen to them talk about what they want to do on Friday night. Some of them get pretty vulgar about it. And I mean, they're enthusiastic about that. They give it everything they've got. And Paul said, that's the way we used to be. But then, brethren, in verses 4 through 7... This is what he says to us here, okay? Look at uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, okay? But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Chris mentioned that in Romans 5 this morning, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that and the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Brethren, you know what he says in verses 4 through 7? He said, even though we were dead in our sin, but God by his grace saved us and raised us and seated us with Christ. That's what God's grace does, brethren. It's no wonder we sing amazing grace. It truly and marvelously is. God saved us. He raised us from our death of sin through the watery grave of baptism as we were resurrected to walk in newness of life, according to Romans 6, and seated us with Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father. And then he bursts into the the verses that we're very famous and that that people will skip the rest that we just looked at to read verses 8 through 10 of Ephesians 2. And this is what he tells us, and you can almost quote this verbatim, right? For by grace you have been saved Period. Is that what that says? Brethren, the reason I bring that up is a whole lot of people in the world trying to put the period right there. They say, we're saved by grace, period. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. God says, for we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And somebody says, boy, people like to hone in on that. But then they, they ignore verse 10, which says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Brother, we're going to be looking at that, okay? And so, uh, and so he burst in the verses 8 through 10, and he says, we have been saved by God's grace. And then he says in verse 10, we are his workmanship. You know what that means, brethren? God did the work. We are his workmanship, you know. Um, Mr. Steve McGee made us this marvelous, wherever it went to, uh, wooden podium. I can't see it from here, you know. And, and that is Steve McGee's workmanship. He created it. Brothers and sisters, God created us new in Jesus Christ, so we are his workmanship. And so what are we created for, he said. Brethren, we are created to walk in good works. We're created to serve our Heavenly Father. Does that take away from God's grace one iota? Brethren, there's nothing we humans can do to take away from God's grace. There are things that we must do, people say, right? Because this verse says that God, God, when it comes to his grace, God gives us all that grace. We're his workmanship. We're his creation. God does it. And so it's not a man, brothers and sisters. We can't rebuild ourselves. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't save ourselves. God has to do it. That's his grace. That's his grace. What is grace, brothers and sisters? Somebody has defined grace just right down to the nitty-gritty and said, what mankind deserves because we're sinners, we deserve hell, and anything less than hell is grace. Would you agree with that? But, brethren, God gives us so much more than that through his grace and his love and his mercy as we just read in Ephesians chapter 2. But there are things we do have to do, brothers and sisters. The Bible says we got to believe. That's correct. The Bible says that in several places, right? That if we don't believe in Christ, that, that's it. Uh, Hebrews says that it's impossible to be pleasing to God if we don't believe that he is who he says he is. we got to believe, brothers and sisters, and we got to believe in the right way. The Bible says in James 2, the devils believe in God and they tremble because they're not obeying God. And so there's, belief is always obedience in the New Testament. And so we've got to believe. That's correct. But it's God's grace that makes that possible, isn't it, brothers and sisters? In Acts 18, 27, um, Apollos, when he comes to the Lord, the Bible says that he believed through grace. Okay? That's how we believe, brothers and sisters, through God's loving favor toward us. By God's grace, he made known his word so we could believe. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. God's grace does all of that, brothers and sisters. He didn't just put us here in this world without any kind of a guide, without knowing what to do in order to be well-pleasing to him. And somebody said, well, Brother Green, the Bible also teaches you have to repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38 tells us specifically why. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's true, brothers and sisters. But you know it is by God's grace that he provided us a way out of sin, what we call the plan of salvation. That was all God's plan. He planned it that way, brothers and sisters. And see, people mess up here. They miss the boat here because they say, well, we're not saved by works, and baptism is a work, and so therefore baptism takes away from God's grace. Brothers and sisters, anything that God commands us to do cannot possibly take away from his grace. Amen? If God tells us to do it, it's part of his plan. It's part of his grace. It can't take away from it. And we misinterpret that because we, we by we as mankind, oftentimes uh, ascribes to God's word meanings that are not there. You cannot find one place anywhere in the Bible where it says baptism is a work. 
It doesn't say that. That's man's, that's man's interpreting that. Well, baptism is a work. It doesn't say that. In fact, you submit to baptism, brethren. And so it doesn't take away at all. Repentance and baptism was given because of God's grace. Brethren, it was through his grace that he gave us what we refer to as a plan of salvation, what we can do in order to get into Christ. Peter preached to the household of Cornelius. Then uh, the household of Cornelius were Gentiles. They, the Jewish Christians didn't believe they could be saved. There was a great prejudice there. God had to work on Peter himself to get him to understand that he was opening the gospel to the Gentiles well. And aren't you glad, brethren, how many is in here born a Jew? Okay, we ought to be grateful for that. And so Peter goes to him. You know all the, the way he does, what he talks to him, how the Holy Spirit falls on him, how he baptizes him into Christ, and he goes back and he's called on the carpet by his Jewish brethren, the Jewish Christians, for baptizing Gentiles, especially before circumcising them. And they were really giving him what for, as we would say. And, and then Peter repeats everything that happened there at Cornelius' household. He had people that went with him that were witnesses and verified it. And then he, as they said, after he, after he explained everything to him in Acts eleven eighteen, they said, well, you know what? God has granted unto the Gentiles repentance as he did us. Now, brethren, what is a grant? Do you know what a grant is? Not a Grant Kelly, but a Grant. Okay? It's not a loan, right? Brethren, a loan has to be repaid, right? But have you ever got a grant? Have you ever been given a grant, say, for college or, or I don't know, some people get help to buy a house or whatever it may be? Sometimes people get a government grant. Well, not sometimes, very often, as a matter of fact. People get a government grant. Now, you know what? That grant is free to you, Right? The government says, I'm going to give you this grant. You don't have to repay it. That's what a grant is. Now, brethren, somebody has to pay it, right? And there's this misnomer, you know, the, the, you know, the, the government deals in. Another brethren, the government has no money. It's ours. It's the taxpayer's money. So the taxpayer, your fellow taxpayer, is paying for that grant, whatever it may be. But it's free to you. So you don't have to repay it. And you really did nothing to merit it sometimes. It comes to you because the government, in its goodwill, set this particular grant up to help people out. Now, there's always some requirements to get the grant. But the requirements do not merit the grant. Beloved, that's the same as the plan of salvation. is simply meeting God's requirements for his free grant. And it's through grace. Somebody said, well, Brother Green, how does when you're baptized then, what does that mean? Brother, I, the reason I bring this up this morning because I've studied with a whole lot of people that really get stuck right there. And then so when you're baptized, what does it mean? It means that you've been saved by grace through what? Ephesians 2, 8 says, through faith, your faith to do what God commands you to do. That's what it means. You, you, you have enough faith in God and his love and mercy and grace and compassion that you're willing to do what he says to do and not call the shots on your own. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. What saves us? God's kindness, love, mercy. That's grace. Through what? How we say through what? There's, here's the means. 
through the washing of regeneration. That um, the, the vast majority of scholars out there say, that's baptism. When are we washed? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the baptism, brothers and sisters. Baptism is simply the means of receiving God's grace. Okay? Look at what he says in verses 6 and 7, okay? Um, do you have that or did I? Okay. All right, chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see where he ties all that together, brothers and sisters? Being justified by his grace. That is good news. That's the gospel, the good news. It's good news that God, in his kindness and love and mercy, has saved us and that we're justified by his grace. Okay, how? Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When did we get the Holy Spirit? Acts 2.38 in the act of baptism. That's what that is, beloved. It doesn't take away from God's grace. It's simply obeying or, or submitting to the grace that God has extended to us. So as Christians, then, when we do that, the Bible says we're justified. And if you want the... the Redneck equivalent of justified, as one scholar said, it means it, it, you, you can say it's just as if I'd never sinned. It means to account as righteous. Now, brethren, that's good news for, Paul, for us, who, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, we're sinners and dead in our sins. We're now justified, okay? Everyone are sinners, or everyone is sinners, whichever is the best English uh, term, uh, terminology there. But, brethren, we're divided into two classes, okay, according to the Bible. There's the saved sinner and the lost sinner. Do you understand that? And there's the justified sinner and the unjustified. So we're justified by God's grace when we do what God says to do to come into Jesus Christ. But what are we saved from by grace? The Bible says we're, we're made righteous. What are we saved from? If we know what we can say we've been saved from, then I can work on that, right? I don't, have to, I don't have to constantly fret about that. What are we saved from? You say our sins? Yes, but more specifically, brethren, the Bible says we have been saved from sin's penalty. Now, that's good news. Paul wrote a whole book about this. It's called Romans. But he states it strongest in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Um, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are those who have, whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is a man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. He didn't say we were sinless, brethren. He said we're blessed because the Lord doesn't take those sins into account. Because of his grace and his love and his mercy that he has from us, okay? Brothers and sisters, as God's child, he's not going to take that into account as long as we live by faith. Ephesians 2.8, again, we've been saved by grace through faith. It's an ongoing walk with God. The Christian who through faith and who trusts in God and strives to do his will is and will remain saved. Because he has the attitude of gratitude, right? And hope and trust in Jesus. And knowing this then enables us to live confident, victorious lives. How? By ourselves? No, Paul says, you know what? I can't do anything on my own. It's by God's grace that I am what I am. 
It's by God's grace that I do what I do. It's by God's grace that causes me to work harder than anybody else out there. Brethren, God's grace is not an excuse to sin. Never has been, never will be. And so what does God's grace say to us? As one fellow put it, he said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what God's word says I should be. But by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. That's God's grace. And that's what counts, brethren. I'm in Christ. And being in Christ, I'm freed from sin's penalty because of God's grace that was enacted through the sacrifice and blood shed by Jesus on the cross. And so we, when we come to Christ, go basically from prison to God's household, from a prison to a palace. We've been seated with the right hand with Jesus. And so not only are we saved from the penalty of sin, now listen to this, brothers and sisters, we need to understand this. We are saved from the practice of sin. If God's grace teaches us anything, we're going to flesh this out next week. As God's grace teaches us anything, it's that we do not continue to practice sin. This idea that I can continue to sin any way I want to because after all, God's grace covers it is as foreign to the Bible as anything. That is a damnable doctrine, brethren, seriously. It is not in God's Word. God's Word teaches us the opposite. We've been saved from the practice of sin, not so we can wallow in it. Now, brothers and sisters, I didn't say we're saved from the committing of sin because if that had to be the case, we could all leave here today. But the Christian no longer practices sin. It means it's no longer he never, it's no longer a way of life. It's not, he doesn't live in sin. The Christian, if he if he's understands God's grace, no longer wants to sin. It hurts the Christian and frustrates you when you sin, and you want to repent of it, and you don't want to continue in it. Sin now no longer controls your life. The Christian no longer practices sin. The Bible says we now practice righteousness. 1 John 1, 7, John says there, if we say that we have no sin, that we, that we are lying, that we've made God a liar, and that the truth is not in us. So we understand that, brethren, but he goes on to say that as long as we walk in the light, meaning with God as he is in the light, practicing righteousness, if we're no longer walking in sin, then our sins are being cleansed by the blood of Christ. It's not held against us. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14 explains that we are dead uh, to sin when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're either dead in sin or dead to sin, brothers and sisters. And then Romans 6, verses 15 through 23 talks about how we have made, been made free from sin. The wages of sin is death, he says in verse 23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's what God's grace does. I want us to understand God's grace the way the Bible teaches. Not man's adaptation. Because as sinners, mankind likes to take the easy road, right? We need to look at what the Bible says, and we're going to continue to do that. Let me close up by this morning by saying, friend, if you're not a Christian, the saving grace of God is available to you. All you need to do is surrender your life to him, to obey God's terms of receiving his grace. The Bible explains in Hebrew that Jesus Christ became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. And you can be saved. You can be saved by God's wonderful 
Love.